0: Well welcome back to the Walk as Jesus Walk podcast series and in today's message, we're going to focus on prayer Now specifically, how prayer, as Jesus taught us, is a conversation that we have with God and once we realize the great importance of prayer in our lives, we'll learn to walk more closely to how Jesus walked in first thessalonians five seventeen Tells us that we should pray without ceasing. But what does that look like? There are times in our lives where we're on the job, we're engaged with others in the world, we're doing many other different things during a day that we may not necessarily be connected to God in prayer. However, the good news is there's really no perfect formula anyone can use to measure what's considered ceaselessly but we should think of without ceasing as being persistent, remaining engaged even during the busy times in our lives. And we can do this by always realizing that Jesus is right there with us all the time, no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing. In Psalms thirty-four fifteen, it says, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And it his ears, being God's ears, are inclined to their cry. Yet in Psalm sixty-six eighteen, it says that if I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. So God listens to those who are righteous in his eyes. That means they're right with him, walking with him, following him. And he's not inclined to have to listen to anything that a sinner, somebody who's disconnected from God, somebody who is of this world, has to say. He really listens to the prayers of those who are his own. Psalm 145:19 states that God fulfills the desires of those who fear Him. He hears their cry, and He saves them. So when does God hear? the prayer of a sinner. Well, when he turns and she turns her heart towards the Lord and says, Lord, I want to no longer walk in this wicked world. I want to follow you. I give you my life. And as you're surrendering to him, he sees your heart. He's not listening to those words because a lot of time they're inconsistent with what the heart is saying. But when you have a pure, true heart pointed towards God, well, he fulfills the desires of those who fear him and he hears their cry and he saves them. Proverbs 15:29 states, "The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous." Therefore, although God hears all prayer, he does, he hears everything. He has no desire to listen to the prayers of the lost souls in this world except when that person as a heart that is authentically turned towards him for true salvation. And he can see and read that heart. In John chapter 9, verses 30 through 33, it tells us that the man who Jesus gave sight to, he was blind from birth and Jesus gave sight to him. He was trying to explain how Jesus opened his eyes to the religious leaders. So in that moment, those religious leaders, they argued and they said, you know what? don't even know where this guy came from. And they they didn't know where Jesus was from, they said. Uh, He's not from God, is what they were saying. Then the man who was given the sight proclaimed, you know, that's remarkably uh weird. It's remarkable that you do not know where he is from, and yet he opened my eyes. The next thing he says is found. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but he does listen to the one who worships him and does his will. Never before has anyone heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he's talking about Jesus, he could not do such things. He couldn't do it. Thus, God listens to the prayers of the righteous, and yet not those who are sinners, unless they're seeking to leave this world behind and follow Jesus forevermore. In John 11, chapter 11, verses 40 through 42, Jesus said before calling Lazarus from the grave, Did I not tell you that if you believed, that Greek word is his duo, which means to have Faith, which is more than, oh, yeah, I believe. No, that means that you wholeheartedly believe that that's going to happen with everything that you are. That's faith. And he says that, didn't you know that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus lifted his eyes upward, and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I say this for the benefit of the people standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me, have faith that you sent me. So he was praying to the Father conversationally, and he was even clarifying why audibly. He was speaking out loud saying, this is why I'm doing this, so all those around him could hear. Now, do we need to speak audible words for God to hear us? Absolutely not. He reads our heart. He knows what we're going to say before we even say it. However, there are occasions where Jesus did this, like also in his prayer in John chapter 17, when he prayed to the Father and he spoke about his disciples and those that will follow after them and to send them another advocate, which we know is the Holy Spirit, which he did on Pentecost. So we know that Jesus was had times where he was praying in a way where he was speaking in conversation with the Father, but yet so others could hear. Therefore, if you think about it, prayer is a two-way conversation. It's our talking with God and his talking with us. Now, if we're a true child of God, he hears our prayer and he speaks with us. And as a true child of God, realize you have a heavenly father who hears and answers your prayer. Jesus said, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, now he's talking about those who are in Christ. He said, believe, which means have faith that you have received it and it will be yours. Oh, well, wait a second. So a lot of people make a lot of prayers and petitions. Then they get angry with God because they don't get the result they're looking for. And they say, see, God contradicts himself. It says right here that we'll receive it. That's what Jesus said. And yet I haven't got it. Well, prayer is not asking God to give us what we want. It's also not an outward display to show others that we know God or that we have the Holy Spirit. Like in so many churches, people pray so that others can see them. Oh, yes, that person is holy. That person is somebody who talks to God or praying in the Spirit. Oh, he speaks with tongues, so he must have the Holy Spirit. A lot of people claim this and don't actually do this or for any other reason it might be an outward expression. That's that's not prayer. That's not an example of what Jesus taught. Many of you have probably seen this outward display, and some of you, in ignorance, maybe even you did it yourself at some point. In truth, a conversation, from by definition, is an informal, usually private talk with two or more people where they exchange thoughts, feelings, or ideas, or in which new information is given or discussed. So therefore, then think of prayer as our informal, personal time of sharing from our hearts with God while listening to his spirit and doing this always throughout the day, at different times. We don't have to have a set prayer time, although Many do, and then there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, I have times where I set aside for prayer, and Jesus did that. Jesus constantly would find time where he could sneak away and spend special time alone with the Father, speaking with him in conversation. In Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27, it says, In the same way, there are times where we don't even know what to say. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what we ought to pray. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that are too deep for words. I mean, the Spirit will intercede for us, even in our place, because we don't know what to ask. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to what? The will of God. Ephesians 6, 18 says, pray in the spirit at all times. With every kind of prayer and petition to this end, stay alert with all perseverance in your prayers. All the saints, we need to be praying for one another. We need to be praying for others that God brings into our paths, that we're maybe feeling bad for, passion towards. Or that we just want to pray that they're encouraged or for the lost, we want to pray and ask the Lord if He would move upon them and send others to plant and water until until maybe he or she will be part of the harvest. Now, Acts chapter one, verse fourteen, It tells us that all the disciples in the upper room while they were waiting on the Holy Spirit for Pentecost, were praying continuously. In fact, it says, with one accord, they all continued in prayer, along with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And then in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says this about the early church after Pentecost, that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. We know that this was the Spirit-led teaching. The Holy Spirit was pouring out upon them. And... To the fellowship, which is koinonia, which is an opportunity to meet with one another and allow the Holy Spirit to move, teach, help us grow, uh, encourage, uh, and chastise, for even for those who are living in, in a sinful nature. To the breaking of bread and to prayer. This is what the early church was doing. This is what we should be doing. Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8, We need to pray at all times and not lose heart. And in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected men. He didn't listen to anybody. He didn't care about anybody. He didn't fear God and he didn't respect men. And there was a widow in that town who kept appealing to him Give me justice against my adversary. For A while he refused, but later he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps pestering me, I will give her justice. Then she will stop wearing me out with her perpetual requests. And then the Lord said, listen to the words of the unjust judge. Will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry out to him day and night? I mean, if an unjust judge will, won't God? Will he continue to defer their help? I tell you, he will promptly carry out justice on their behalf. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, Jesus said, will he find faith on earth? And we know that many are called and few are chosen. We know that Jesus said that many will take the, the broad path that leads to destruction, but only a few will follow him and only a few will find the narrow gate. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 7, Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. And in Matthew twenty one twenty two. If you believe, this means have faith, you will receive whatever you ask in prayer. Also in Matthew 26, 41, watch and pray so that you will not enter temptation into temptation, Jesus said. So we need to be watching and praying so that we will not enter into the temptation of this world, of our flesh, and of course, of the adversary. For well, the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. In 1 John 3, 22, it states, we will receive from him whatever we ask because we keep his commandments and do what is pleasing in his sight. Now let's think about what his commandments are. His commandments, he has two commandments, really. He boiled it down to two. God first and love him before anything and everything. That's the first commandment, and the second one is like it: is to love everyone else. But yet, do we really do this? Do we really display passion and and uh, a compassionate love for others with the love that comes from God? Well, if we do that, if we keep his commandments, we can expect to receive everything we ask. However, how many of us don't do this, and then yet we still think. We should have whatever we ask for. In Matthew chapter six, verses five through 15, is when Jesus was teaching how we should pray. Now, how and not what we should pray. is very confused in a lot of circles where they say, oh no, Jesus said that this is what we should pray. No, the scriptures clearly tell us this is how Jesus said how we should pray. And when you pray, He said, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners. Why? To be seen by men. Truly, I tell you, they've already received their full reward. They shouldn't expect to get anything that they are praying for because they've already been noticed. But when you pray, go into your inner room, shut the door. Nobody can see you there. And pray to your Father who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not babble on like pagans. For they think that by their many words they will be heard. When I was born and raised into a religious home, boy, did we babble. We were praying all of these prayers over and over and over and over again. Anytime I did something wrong, I had to pray them over and over and over again again. And I prayed these prayers like pagans do, perpetually setting myself up for nothing. Because I was just babbling. Oh, yeah, my heart was in it because I wanted to be forgiven. But that's not where forgiveness comes from. And we shouldn't pray like the, the pagans do. And so he goes on to say that do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. don't babble. Just ask him. He already knows. So just put it out there and ask him. And if you don't know, the Holy Spirit's going to go ahead and intercede for you. So then Jesus said, this is how, not what, this is how you should pray. So how should we pray? Jesus told us, our Father in heaven, we recognize God first, hallowed, which that Greek word is agiadzo, agiadzo, which means free as holy or set apart. Oh, Father in heaven, you are set apart. You are holy. Hallowed be your name. We're worshiping God. We're putting him first. We're setting our hearts in the right direction. God is who we're talking to. The next thing he said is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, not my will. I'm not asking for my wants. I want your kingdom to come. I want to be a part of it. I want to serve it. How do I do this? What is your will? What is your will for me today? Give us this day our daily bread. We know that you'll provide our needs. Provide those needs, Lord. Daily bread. Notice it says our daily bread. Don't say, give me enough bread to last me the rest of my life. Because we don't know what the rest of our life is. Tomorrow may never come. So today is the only day that matters. And Jesus clarifies that. Give us this day our daily bread. We're not storing up. We're not creating a huge stockpile of stuff just in case. We're trusting God For our daily needs. Then he says, and forgive us our debts. Lord, forgive me for the things that I have not done right, the things that I didn't do that you wanted me to do. Just as we also have forgiven our debtors. You know, Lord, like I forgave everyone else. Ooh, that could raise question. And then he says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. And a lot of people, when they hear that, they go, Why would God lead us into temptation? Why would Jesus even plug this in when teaching us how to pray? Well, I'm going to get into that in a moment here and explain just why Jesus would plug that in and share that with us. And it's something that we should ask for on a daily basis. And then he goes on to say, for if you forgive men their trespasses, that means those who trespass against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. However, if you do not forgive others for their trespasses. Neither will your father forgive yours. This is what Jesus said, how we should pray. Now in Mark chapter one, verses 12 uh, through 15, we learn that after Jesus was baptized in the Jordan, you know, he came to John the Baptist and he was baptized and the dove came down, meaning a dove-like Holy Spirit came upon him. And immediately after that, it says "At once the spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness and he was there for 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and the angels ministered to him. After the arrest of John, Jesus went into Galilee and he proclaimed the gospel of God. The time is fulfilled, he said, and the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe in the gospel. So let's think about what happened there. Jesus, knowing that he himself was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the evil one, makes it easy for us to understand why he would tell us to ask of God each day not to lead us into the wilderness of temptation and to deliver us from the evil one. Because he's already been there and done that. And he knows that that's not something that we need to do because he did that for us. Now, in James chapter 5, verse 13 through 18, we read that it says, Is any of you suffering? He could pray. Is anyone cheerful? He should sing praises. Is any one of you sick? He could call the elders of the church, pray over him, and anoint him with oil. In the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith, once again, the prayer is offered with belief. I believe that this will happen, will restore the one who is sick. The Lord will raise him. Now, if he has sinned, he will be forgiven. And many times there's a relationship between those who are sinning and their physical condition and their spiritual condition. And if this is the case, then the Lord will raise him up from his sinful state if he has cleared himself of sin, if he's sought the Lord for forgiveness of sin. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man has great power to prevail. Elijah was a man that's like us. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it didn't rain on the land for three and a half years. And then once people started repenting, he prayed again and the heavens gave rain and the earth yielded its crops. Finally, in John chapter 15, verses five to eight, Jesus said, I am the vine. I am the true vine. And you, if you're in me, are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him, well, that one will bear much fruit. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, if anyone chooses to not remain in me, walks away, no longer wants to follow me he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers and you know what such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire and burn so then jesus says clearly if you remain in me and my words remain in you then ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you you see. We must remain in the vine if the Lord will hear our prayer. There's an obligation for God to listen to a sinner's prayer unless it's for repentance and turning away from this world to follow him. But yet if we are right with Christ, if it's well with our soul and we are connected to the vine, Jesus said, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, proving yourselves to be my disciples. Thus, in closing, it is essential, and I I have to say it's, it's so important for us to grasp this, that if we understand how prayer, our conversation with God, As Jesus taught us, that if we continue to pray each day, throughout the day, strengthen that conversation, how do we really get to know someone else in this world? We talk with them. They tell us something, we tell them something, and we go back and forth and we get to know each other better. That is what prayer is all about. If we do this, then we will learn to walk more closely to how Jesus walked.